It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. The Late Lunch, brought to you by Blackstone Motors Summer Sales Event. Get low as can be, APR, zero deposit, and finance arranged within four hours. There's never been a better time to get to Blackstone Motors, Dundalk, Drogheda, or Cavan. Good to have you with us this Thursday afternoon on Late Lunch LMFM Radio. It's Boot Club Thursday. Margaret Madden's in the house and I'm just looking here. I have two lovely gift packs of books to give away. That's coming up a little bit later on in the show. I usually have one. I have two for you today. Six books in each. So if you're a bookie wook, stay with us and you could win these on Late Lunch this afternoon. We'll also be reflecting on a year on for the village, the village hotel, back from the ashes in Late Town and County Mead. Frank Taff and JP Egan will be joining us. There's a dig happening. Remember last you were all the good weather, all the archaeological sites that were revealed in the Boyne Valley. Well, out uh, on the uh, East Meath area of the county, there's another big dig happening, and we'll be talking to Matthew Stout about that a little bit later on. And we meet, of course, yes, the uh, Team Carry crew that we're going to follow to the marathon this year, of course. It is the final year of Team Carry, Team 10, and that's coming up in a few minutes' time. But first, let's roll the clock back a few hours to last evening, and the man on the microphone is in the hot seat on late lunch today, Adrian Taff, another historic European night for Dundalk Football Club. I'm struggling to get past Buki work. <laughs> I must be a footy wotty or something. Yes, that's you. <laughs> that's You're right. right. That's you, exactly. Um, yeah, another good occasion for Aidan Dock last night. Um, uh, not a great first half. Uh, I don't know if you saw any of it, Jerry, yourself, but uh, like at halftime, I was speaking to Frank Winters in sales here, and he said at ha- he, he was listening in last night. He said at halftime, myself and John Flanagan, the extant Dock, an extant Drawhead player, uh, was in co commentary, and he was saying that we didn't give Dundalk a chance really in the second half, going into the mm. second half of the game, which is partially true on the evidence of the first half it looked like Carabag were well capable of putting this game beyond Dundalk in the first leg um, they had missed a couple of opportunities not clear cut opportunities but were creating openings and they had some fantastic players that were able to create chances out of nothing it looked and it wouldn't have been a surprise if they'd gone in at the break two or three goals up had they gone in at the break two goals up and finished the game two goals up you'd have to have said that the tie was over already but second half and it's the old cliche you know a game of two halves and Dundalk came out and looked at a different side in the second half and it was they who could have went uh, to Baku with a two-goal advantage very easily. I saw, actually, I, I just missed the goal and then I saw the last, uh, what would you say, after the goal, a quarter of an hour, like, uh, with added time and that, yeah. you know. And certainly at that stage, Dundalk were the better side. They had three chances. Uh, McGrath, Duffy and Massey laid on had chances to add to, you know, the one and make it two or perhaps even three one. That would have been some turnout. Uh, there, were, there were outstanding chances, yeah. al- albeit all of them, but certainly the Massey and the McGrath chance came at them both very quickly, I think, mm. you know, 
Well, they mm. uh, snatched at them and, and, and put them over the crossbar. But uh, yeah, they certainly had the opportunities to inflict damage. But they've got a chance going out here now. You know, look, you have to say. 1-1 with the away goal, Carabag and their experience that they have. They've been in group stages for the last five years in Europe. You know, they've won the last six league titles in Azerbaijan. Uh, they're very wealthy, uh, government-backed, you know. They're very powerful. Uh, like a host of really, really good players. You have to make them, I would say, maybe 60-40, even 65-35 favourites to win the game next week. But... Those occasions do happen. They've happened in the past for Dundalk. Absolutely. You know, and people were talking last night. Uh, like, it's amazing how the two halves of football can change people's opinions on a game. Like, Dundalk supporters coming away last night were talking about it as being one of the great nights in Europe and that goal being one of the great moments. And as you know, Dundalk have had so many of them over the last uh, couple of even the last two weeks. They've had something, you know. Yes. So, yeah. Yeah. But, you know, everyone went away with a pep in their step after the game. And that's great to see. And it must give them confidence going out there to get that late goal push them so hard you know and, and really give them a bit to think about as well as they travel out there now you're going out to Azerbaijan Baku next week and uh, it's a long old trek for everybody yeah 4,400 kilometres I wouldn't like to be walking it he measured it already yeah, that's, that's, right. that's Adrian Tapia he has it measured <laughs> that's right who else would measure it to that nth degree only Tapia himself anyway it is seriously um, charter flight as usual for the team going when Monday uh, Monday yeah Monday morning and um I think it's an eight or nine hour flight, something like that. I presume there'll be a stopover or two on the way out as well, you know. Mm. So uh, Baku this time of year, I think they're talking about 40 degrees. So, you know, that's the sort of temperature that Dundalk probably played in in Larnaca last year and really struggled with it. They lost 4-0, I think it was out there. Uh, But the game is in the evening. It's at nine o'clock. So uh, the word is that it'll be around 24 degrees in the evening. So that's a lot more um, palatable, you know. They can deal with that, you know. Mm. So it's a little bit closer to what we have here at home. Yeah, so nine o'clock out there, but it'll be six o'clock our time here so just uh, getting it ready for almost a week hence that'll be six o'clock with LMFM radio for live coverage of the game on radio on the app and as well LMFM as usual dot IE from a supporter's perspective uh, are you getting any feel for will some make the journey I think there's always a number will but not the numbers you had in the first qualifying round away no it's just not as accessible as the likes of Riga two and a half hours away Ryanair fly there you know and there was plenty of options as well uh, through Latvian airlines as well Um, so there won't be but there will be some I was talking to uh, some supporters who intend to go on the charter I haven't been talking to anyone who's going independently just a moment so it'll be limited to however many are on the charter and I can't imagine that'll sell out this time but you just never know Mm. it's very prohibitive in terms of cost for people to go themselves I looked up the flights and you're looking at you know almost a thousand euro I think for some of them you know but um but on the chart it'll be a little bit more reasonable for people I think and it might be an option for some but limited in space as well Planes, trains and automobiles always comes to me when clubs are in Europe because fans they're resourceful and they make their way to places that you just wouldn't actually believe and there may be Dundalk fans in another part of the world who'll go there as well but you know no pressure you'll ferret out those stories for us won't you next week when you're out there you'll pick them off we'll find somebody hopefully uh, not do. Sam Hanks uh, well, well, and well, hold on a minute Sam <laughs> don't mention that poor man if he was in trouble in Riga I don't think he'd ever get back from Baku absolutely not no no, <laughs> no, no chance no, Sam. Uh, but uh, yeah no uh, there will be Dundalk supporters there and we'll find some of them for you next week as well and we'll certainly fire in a few interviews to you guys yeah yeah. What's your gut? Your gut, your gut saying that it, again, just back to that, that the away goal could be crucial. But, but, but. Yeah, uh, well, look, 
In the first half, I think last night, I said it to John Gale in my interview after the game, I think Dundalk showed them too much respect. Mm. I think what changed in the second half was Dundalk showed them less respect mm. and started closing them, them, them down. And the likes of Patrick McElhaney and Jamie McGrath and um, Michael Duffy and especially Chris Shields got in and about them and they, they struggled with that sort of intensity. Dundalk allowed them to play a little bit too much, I think, in the first half last night. And uh, um, So look... You know, there's a balancing act, isn't there, Jerry? Especially mm. in Europe, and especially when you've got that yes. the other team has the away goal. You can't go gung ho right from the start. There probably is an element of patience required, but the evidence of last night is that when Dundalk step on and step forward and got in the face of Carabag, that they were more effective. So it's up to Vinnie Perth and John Gill and Rory Higgins to decide at what point in the game do you decide to do that? Do you do that from the outset and try and push them out of their stride and out of their rhythm? That's why Vinnie Perth and John Gill and Rory Higgins are paid the money and I'm <laughs> not. And I just have to watch it. <laughs> the other thing I'd say is, uh, just before we finish, the pressure's on Carabag because they expect and they have qualified for the groups and they'll want to go on in this. No pressure on Dundalk, not expected to. Go out there with a bit more freedom perhaps as well. And you know, that little doubt is in their mind after last night. So if you're listening, Carabag, take all those thoughts on board now <laughs> as the Lily Whites head psychological uh, 4, 000, warfare 4, on 000, the Lily 4,000 how many? 4,000? Tell me again uh, kilometres 4,400 yeah. kilometres to yeah, be yeah. precise yeah, he has yeah, it exactly yeah. anyway Adrian thank you for joining us yeah. today well done congratulations to Dundalk last night yeah yeah. the match by the way is, is taking place in the Dalga Stadium which is just over 6,000 people and very close to Dundalgan uh, the Irish oh, for Dundalk yes. so maybe there might be an omen there maybe it's written in the stars <laughs> as well can't wait next Wednesday uh, 6 o'clock our time the second leg of the big match and Adrian Taff will bring it to us. Thank you for joining me on the show. Up next on Late Lunch, we're joining Team Carry. Late Lunch regular listeners know by this stage, well you ought to know, Team Carry and Late Lunch are synonymous. It all began in 2010 when David Carry joined me, told me of his idea and in that first year, I think it was around 38 people went to the Dublin Marathon. We've been with them each year since, since and we've featured a number of runners each year. And this is the final year. Yes, it's year 10 and it's year, Team Carry's final year at the marathon. We are featuring three runners as part of the 140 Team Carry who will be going to the marathon in October. And David launched it here with us for 2019 a few weeks back. I went to Dunlear last evening to meet our Fab Three. And first, David spoke to me and he began by telling me what's been happening with Team Carry since the launch back in June. Since we launched with you back in, I think it was June, was it? We, we launched in June. We have 140 people signed up for the Dublin Marathon this year, which is just incredible again. It's just, just amazing. We were sold out. Uh, initially, we had 130 places, and I had to try, try to get another 10 places, which I did secure. So we have 140 places booked up for the Dublin Marathon. This is our sixth week together, and most of the runners are up now to around the 10K marker. We just completed the South Dublin 10K in Clondalkin on Sunday. So training's going really well. This year's team is uh, called 10 20, 40 because it's a uh, team carry year 10. It's 20 weeks training. The training plan is 20 weeks, so it's 10, 20, and it's the 40th Dublin Marathon. So we're known this year as 10, 20, 40. A lot of people say, are you sure it's not 10, 10, 20? You know, I, I, some of us could do a fertiliser, I can tell you. <laughs> Great people again this year, Jerry. And um, over the years, we did marvellous representatives of the team on late lunch. And this year is going to be no different. I know the late lunch listeners are really, really going to enjoy our three representatives this year. I'll just introduce them before you chat them, if you don't mind. Because uh, I, think, I think it's a milestone for a lot of them. Ian Pat Carroll is one. 
Ian Pat will be uh, running his 10th Dublin Marathon in a row and he's been here from day one. He's also the catering manager. So Ian's, Ian's representing the men. In the ladies' side, we have the wonderful Rachel Kelly. Rachel Kelly is an inspiration to anyone. Rachel is deaf, and we actually didn't know for a year that uh, she was part of this group, so that'll just tell you how amazing that she is. Rachel is actually going for our tour Dublin Marathon. And then we have the ever-energetic Sarah McCann, maker of that wonderful documentary, Turtles and Hares documentary, all about Team Carry Marathon Runners. And uh, I know she's still editing, editing at the minute and it's still a lot of work in progress. But I always said, Jerry, and I said it to Sarah, there is no documentary till you run the marathon yourself. And this is Sarah's first marathon. So that's an introduction. So you can take it from there. They're all here. And thanks, guys, for representing the team again this oh, year. No, thanks, David, for introducing them as well. Let me start with Pat Carroll. He is the man who's in there year after year looking after everybody with sustenance when they do their training here. Let's go back a decade, Pat. H- how did it begin for you? Of course, David rang me up, usual, phone call. I am, I'm, I want to run something by you. I'm thinking of getting a group together for a marathon. Yeah, yeah, that sounds good. Uh, are you interested? Yeah, you know, I'm going to have a job for you. Yeah, that, that's David, all right. Uh, well, what do you want me to do? Any chance you might look after tea and coffee? Yeah, that's no problem. So, year one, we started with about 38. Now we've over 100, so... I think I've got used to it now at this stage. <laughs> I'm sure you have. Look at all the people you've looked after over the years. But back to you. Did you run before you did your first one? Yeah, I've been running with the Lair since 1973. Kind of a young lad at that stage. I just turned 60 this year. And uh, funny enough, uh, the wife was 60 last year and we're sitting down having a little chat and she says, we had a little night out and she says, I suppose you plan for your birthday. I have, yeah. I'm doing the Boston Marathon because it's the day I'll be 60 at birthday. <laughs> so off I went to Boston this year and did the... Boston Marathon from oh, 60 Terrific, Martin. terrific. Ten years of the marathon, different groups, different people, different scenarios each day of the big race itself, Bank Holiday, October weekend. Does anyone in particular stick in your mind? Well, they all do, really. But I suppose maybe David's task with this year, in the 10th year, he's decided that he's going to sort of bring people to remember a particular marathon. So uh, we're talking about 2012 tonight. And 2012, my son actually did the marathon with me. He was the baby, he was 25. So that's a special memory for me, you know. But every marathon has its memory, you know. When David, the first year, he said, we're going to do it for the Gary Kelly Centre. So, yeah, that's a great idea. Little did I know, actually, that weekend, unfortunately, a uh, cousin of mine, his wife, passed away with cancer that weekend. And nobody knew until three or four weeks before the marathon. So, year one, special marathon. This year will be a special marathon. But I'll let you know near the time why why this year is actually a special marathon. I'm kind of keeping it under my hat for the moment, but this year will be a very special marathon for me. OK, watch this space and we'll hear more as we go along over the weeks and months ahead. Each year when it comes round, not a bother, you just... Put on the shoes, get involved here, and away we go. <laughs> Welcome to, to the dark side. Look at this. We have coffee. <laughs> I love the shirt. Well, I'm always known as the Dark Lord, so again... David looks after the running and the things. I like to look after the catering and a little bit of humour because you're going to get new, not so much this year. We, okay, we want to two people new, new this year, but to me, you need a bit of humour. It's not all about running. It's a bit of humour and the social aspect. You don't know what people are going through. A bad day at the office, had fall out with the wife or the husband or whatever, and you know it's nice to come here, have a cup of tea and chill out with your friends because mm. we're all friends here. We might be competing against each other on the day or whatever, but we're, we are, we're all friends, we all look out for each other. And that's, to me, the most important thing is the social and the healthy aspect of it. It is about more than running, and I've experienced that over the years myself here with the group as well. 
you're such a community, such a group. It's, it's simply wonderful. And here you are, Pat Carroll, year 10. Wish you well. We'll be talking as uh, the time progresses towards the marathon. Looking forward to it, Jerry. Thanks a million. Thanks a million. Let's have a chat with Rachel Kelly next. Rachel, nice to meet you. Your third marathon. Third Dublin marathon. But I've done six marathons so far. I've done two Manchester marathons and I've done Clonakilty Marathon and I've done Derry. This is my third Dublin marathon. I'm really excited about it this year. What took you here in the first place? I suppose I just wanted to get fish to start off with. And then I met Maria Carter and she highly recommended David Carey and said that he was fantastic. So I kind of said, oh, I must try it. So I came to the first meeting and I've never looked back since then. They say it's like a cult. That you, once you're in, you can't get out. So here I am, three, three years later and I'm still here. And as enthusiastic this year as day one you came here and when you crossed that line for the first time? Absolutely. It's a different feed this year because I think... you become more competitive with yourself as you go along with time but this time I'm just going to completely enjoy it knowing that it's the last year of team carry it's probably a bit emotional but I'm really looking forward to this year and I have made such brilliant friends as Pat said it's like a big huge family and we're all together for the best David Carey said to me you're going to meet a very special woman this year and we want to feature her and he told us there earlier on why you are deaf are you totally deaf I am partially deaf I was born deaf and I really rely on Liberigi. I'm fluent to sign language as well. And, um, no, I can hear a few things, but I'm partially deaf, yeah. You pulled the wool over their eyes here. You never told them. He said, my God, when somebody came and said to me about Rachel, I said, no, you're cardin' me. And that's David Carey's words. Yes, but David um, uses microphone. And anybody can hear him miles to an end, so there's no problem there. I can hear him, no problem. <laughs> but for you running, when you're out on the roads, training, when you're on the marathon as well, is it an issue for you, or how do you get on? It can be difficult because when people are running, people talk to each other, and I have to look, make sure I don't fall and that. But most of the time, it's fine. I run with Maria and Mandy most of the time, and... I've got so used to them now that I can hear them by a mile now at this stage. And we have a great crack along the way and it's just fantastic. The best thing about doing is joining Team Carry. It's been an amazing, amazing journey for me, yeah. It's Mandy Hatch, I take it, you're talking about there. I am she doesn't need a <laughs> megaphone. <laughs> She'll kill me for saying that. You now you've said it now. Every, I think everyone can hear Mandy now, all right, yeah. But they're just fantastic friends to have and everyone else at Team Carry as well. It's very lucky, very privileged to be part of the team. And for you, you know... Getting out here, training with the crew, on the roads, building towards the marathon. Is it special in your life? Has it become really special? It has, because I never thought that I would have a huge circle of friends. I do have a lot of friends, but this is just completely different. We all have the great mindset of running, and we all have the same feelings and frustrations. And running. It's, been, it's like a big, huge family. That's the only way to describe it. I just love it now, I have to say. Absolutely love it. I'm really looking forward to finishing off in New York now this year. So that's that, where you're going. That'll yeah. be the culmination of yeah. your running year, will it? Yes, yes. New York, one week after Dublin Marathon. So that'd be an amazing way to finish off the year. So I'm really excited about that as well. You know, this is an historic year. I don't have to tell you. It is the final year for Team Carry. Absolutely. Yeah, it'd be emotional, all right. But we're all very excited and I can't wait now to get going and enjoy that. Yeah. Rachel, lovely to meet you this evening. We wish you well and look forward to following you too to the line in Dublin, the start and finish line. That's it. Thanks very much, Jerry. Not at all. You're very welcome. And last but not least, <laughs> yes, you do know her. I think actually she's a regular on Late Lunch as a contributor. She's a, an ace documentary maker, DKIT, what can I say? And here she is now, 
a virgin marathon runner, Sarah McCann. Hello. What an introduction, Terry. Hello. I don't know, even know what to say after that, to be honest. Well, I, w- I want to put this to you. This year in Team Carry, you are one of very few new members of this team this year. I know it's kind of weird. I suppose I'm. I feel like I know Team Carry so well because I followed them um, during 2016 when I was making the documentary, and then watched them like at evenings and weekends. So I felt like I knew them so well. And I was saying hello to people on the street in Dunleer two years later, and I think they were looking at me going, "Is that the girl from two years ago?" <laughs> but I was seeing them for so often because I was editing the documentary for so long. Um, but yeah, I'm pretty much a newbie this year, and that this is my first ever marathon. Ah! But you are a runner. You have done halves before, haven't you? Yeah, so I've been running for a couple of years. um, But as in, I've just, I suppose I've been running myself. You know, I've been doing 5Ks and 10Ks. And then last year was the first year I said, listen, let's try and get a bit further than 10K. So I did a 10 mile. And then when I did a 10 mile, I was like, oh, sure, why not just do a half? So I've done two halves so far. I did one last August and I did another one there in March of this year. Um, But the idea of putting two half marathons together scares the absolute (laughs) life out of me and David knows this so it's just that's why I'm actually just the training now slowly but surely like I can already feel myself just getting I suppose just fitter stronger stronger I think like I think I am fit but I know I am getting fitter but I feel stronger that's probably the best word I can use um, at the moment you know you almost feel like yes it's a long distance but I know if I keep going the way I'm going it's very achievable and I suppose I saw that myself when I was making the documentary people came in who couldn't run at all in May and then I watched them crossing the finish line in October so I know it can happen it's just when it's happening to you it's very different you know so you are going to do it I just think you've talked the talk they say walk the walk you're gonna run the run now I am and I'm actually like I'm nervously excited about the whole thing you know even we had our first race on Sunday which was mm. great I've never done any races in the race series at all um, and I suppose this year for me is kind of a special year in lots of different ways like I've, I finally got I suppose the documentary let's say 90% complete last mm. October to the point where I got to show it to everybody I still feel because it's the end of the team carry there's still something extra there I can add on and I kind of want to do a bit more filming this year and try and do a final overall kind of you know team carry from backwards you know backwards perspective kind of thing um but this year then when I heard David was doing the last marathon um I was like okay there's no way in the world I am ever doing a marathon with a with any other team other than team carry and then I had a special birthday myself this year so I'm the same age as the Dublin marathon oh uh, lovely all the coincidences (laughs) we're hearing about this evening I'd love to say it was 30 but it's not um so I just said no for me I suppose the doc, like my ducks started to line up in a row so I just text David and I was like Dave this is my marathon year and I was like I'm in I don't care you have to let me in so I'm just so happy to be part of the team this year So everything going well so far with the, the build up to this point? Yeah really well like I've never run so much like I used to run maybe once a week you know what I mean I'd do a bit of running training on a Wednesday night with a gang down in Jamiskin that I ran with and then I might go to the gym or I might do a bit of yoga or whatever but we're running five nights a week like I've just I was like oh my god I'm running again oh tomorrow I'm running again <laughs> so you're running and I'm I'm the type of person as chatting today if I stick religiously to a plan so if there's a plan there I'm going to be doing the plan so um yeah everything's going really well like I'm really enjoying it and the race on Sunday felt like it was like the first step on the ladder you know it was the 10k in South Dublin the first race of the race series so it feels like you're now 
going to start climbing it rung by rung, you know. So it's uh, 24th of August, I think, is the next on the 10 mile. Yeah. So, yeah, it just it feels like we're on the way, you know, that type of thing. Oh, yeah, you yeah. certainly are. And we're on the way on late lunch as well because you've met them today and we're going to follow them all the way to the marathon. And this year I will be there again. I have to be there in Dublin for the final <laughs> countdown. There's just no way I could miss that day this year. Team Carrie has been an integral part of late lunch since we began as well. But I want to wish you all well. Pat Carroll, number 10. Rachel Kelly, number 3. And the newbie on the block, Sarah McCann. Good luck to you all and thank you for joining us this evening. And we look forward to being with you over the coming weeks and months. Thanks a million. We're on our way with Team Carry for 2019. Up next on Late Lunch this Thursday afternoon, it's Book Club with Margaret Madden. Book Club time on Late Lunch and there is only one woman for us and she's here with us this afternoon. Margaret Madden, it's great to see you again. Thanks a million. Thank you for joining us. And just to tell you, I have, haven't I? You can verify this for the listeners here. We've two cracking. Two big piles of books there. We have. Yeah. Two prizes today on Late Lunch, six books in each and a lovely selection. And if you're a book reader or you know somebody is, you'll enjoy them. Simple question coming up in a few moments. And if you answer it, you're in with a chance of winning. Welcome back to the show. Now, we'll begin, as always, with you and your book of the month. And you are staying local. I am. Yes, I because I've, I've just recently read this and went to the launch as well. And it is The Nanny at Number 43 by Nicola Cassidy. Book of the Month, Margaret Madden, Late Lunch Book Club for July 2019. Congratulations, Nicola. This book is really cracking along for Nicola Cassidy. It is, isn't it? Yeah, it's it's just from the day it was released, people have just hopped on and they really seem to be interested in the concept behind it. So basically, The Nanny at Number 43 is set in Drogheda, which is handy for us here, and um, back in the 1800s. And... Uh, um, a nanny answers an advert um, in the in the local paper looking for um, someone to mind a motherless child. And so straight away you're drawn into what happened to the mother? Why does the man need a nanny to look after the baby? What, what's going on? But there's, there's it, it also has a link with, at the very beginning, um, a suitcase is discovered in a garden with um, some bodies in it and their babies. So, yeah. And this links into the story. Yeah, no, it's very hard to do, yeah. to do this without, without any spoilers. Yeah, no, you, I won't. don't want to spoil it. I know, no. and I, I know you never do. I'm the culprit when it comes to this. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm watching you. <laughs> she does watch me closely, but uh, the plot pickets, yes, as we go along, it does, and 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 it's based, and it's all really set in Drogheda, and you 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 can literally picture yourself walking around in these times it's so Nicola really really describes everything so well like even the walk up to the train station the old um, kind of mother baby homes that are, well what was it an orphanage I'm not sure yes. it was kind of like the workhouse mm. and that's up there now um, opposite the train station mm. there are all the streets and uh, Lawrence Street obviously but you're, you're brought right through you're, you read descriptions of what markets were on at the time you have the ships coming in and out that are heading over to Liverpool you have the real sense of the buzz it's of really the time. really well researched and it's yeah. grounded in uh, factual, you know, events Absolutely. and places and people and streets and the times that were, were in it. Yeah, she's done all her research. She's been here on the show with yeah. you, so I'm sure listeners have heard, but she, she she really researched this well and you can feel the connection that she has to the stories that she's read. The gentleman who places the ad, he's a William D. Thomas and mm-hmm. his wife has died in childbirth so he's left with this newborn and he needs somebody to take care of it. But here's the thing, he has a housekeeper, a Mrs. McHugh. Yes. But 
she's not going to be able to manage it. Mrs. McHugh adores the baby yeah. and would really, you can see that she she's reluctant to hand over duties to this um, interloper that arrives <laughs> at the door. And the two women, never the twain shall meet. Oh my God, they do not get on at all. And there's some nastiness happens. Again, no spoiler, or we won't go yeah. into what it is, yeah. but the tension just ramps up, you know. Between them. Margaret Murphy is the lady who answers the ad. She arrives and she takes over. But here's the thing. It's like rear window of the movie. Mm. There is Betty. This lady called Betty who's a friend of Mrs. McHugh's who lives nearby. She does. She lives opposite and um, she's uh, bedridden. So she's just basically watches the comings and the goings all all along Lawrence's street and <laughs> she's all the news and all the goss and people call, pop into her, you know, filling her in on all the local news. So you get caught up in that yeah. as well. Yeah. There's always somebody like that on your street that, you know <laughs> what I mean, has all the time in the world in their hands and peeps out through the, the gardens of life. Windows. The squinting yeah. windows thing, of course. But yeah. Betty is a key character in this book as she well and, and, and plays a, a very lovable role. character. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So overall, really love this book. Yeah, I mean, I, I was late enough because um, I had to cover for a superstar launching the book <laughs> who had to cancel. Um, and I was late enough getting to read it. Um, but I had absolutely no problem getting right into the characters, right into the story. Um, pretty much read in one sitting. I did have to have a little sleep in between, you know, because it was night time. But it, yeah, really, really enjoyed it. And I, I mean, I loved her first book, um, December Girl, but this one has even, she's ramped it up. It's, yeah, love it. Congratulations, Nicola. Book of the Month, Late Lunch Book Club, Margaret Madden today, The Nanny at Number 43 by Nicola Cassidy, available in bookshops right around the northeast and the country. Get it? We promise you, when Margaret Madden recommends, you will enjoy. And that leads me nicely into your second selection, which is under the category General Fiction, and it's The Beekeeper of Aleppo. And the reason I say <laughs> your recommendation... I rang you before going on holidays mm-hmm. recently and said, two books. Come with me. And two I books. said, I can't. Miriam and Declan won't be happy. <laughs> she did say that. <laughs> anyway, uh, you, I, I said, two books. Uh, Eleanor Oliphant, which I, I got at the airport. Fantastic. We'll yeah. talk about that again. Just unbelievable. And The Beekeeper of Aleppo was the second one by Christy Lefteri. Mm-hmm. This is a cracking book. Oh my God, it's amazing. Now, I have to um, be upfront and say I listened to this on audio rather than reading it and it gave it even more of an atmosphere. It was very well done, I have to say. And I saw Christy um, at the, the Hinchland Festival in Kells recently talking about possibly making it into um, a stage production Yeah, and it, she's just amazing. I, yeah. I ain't surprised. I, I read you it. You tell cover. me what well, look, you, you, I, you review this one. I read it cover to cover on holidays, and it was one of those books that you start reading at the pool, and you don't want to go in for a swim. Yeah, <laughs> you don't yeah. want to take your lunch. You leave it down. But I mean, I zipped through this in probably two to three settings. Oh, I was yeah. that addicted to it. it. It starts in Aleppo in Syria, and Nuri is a beekeeper, and his wife Afra is an artist, and all is well until the conflict breaks out, and. It's just, I get upset when I think about it. When I think how people's lives 
can be totally destroyed yeah. with conflict. And they are no different to you and I. No. We're just, we are blessed with our location at the moment. Do you know, that's what it's about. How easily, Margaret, life can yeah. flip Now you're making me, you've head. got me goosebumps. No, Look. no, but, but that's really, and, and, and I, I, it upsets me when I think about it, but it, these people, uh, she uh, loses her sight and they have to leave Aleppo and they tried to make this horrendous journey through. Absolutely. We knew what was happening in Greece years ago. We saw the images, all the news reports. This is all part of it. Into Europe, they're trying to get to the UK. Yes. Where one of Nuri's re- relatives ha- has made it there. He has, and he is the beekeeper. That's and right. He is the one that introduced Nuri to the joy of beekeeping. And it's just, that's his one thing he keeps in his mind through this absolutely horrendous, horrendous journey. And they've, they've already had something awful happen to them. Um, so to add in this trip to, you know, via Turkey and all these detention centres and... Uh, oh, the, 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 no, but it's still, parts of it are not... But it's not all sadness. There is no, such wonderful light in here. There's too. always hope in life, no matter how dark the day is. And and that's what I would say about it. Mm. But you know the thing that really this book brought home to me? That as a refugee, you may escape your homeland and where you live, but you'll never escape the memories of what you experience. No. The horrors. Not. Back home and on that journey. And I think we should all read this book. Absolutely. And it also, there, it brings very, it, it's, you only have to go onto Facebook or any, any social media site to see the way people speak about refugee as an umbrella term of distaste. And, you know, um, what can you, what can you do? You're, you're trying to change people's views. I think they're forgetting that Irish people were refugees. Of course we were. For many, many oh, centuries. Oh, I'm getting many. goosebumps everywhere. No, stop. Yeah, we're getting no, we all do. emotional. All, all I'll say <laughs> is about this book. It, Everybody should read it. It made its mark on me. You yeah. should read this book, The Beekeeper of Aleppo. You really should. And uh, it, it was one of the most memorable books, I have to say, I've read. And, and I mean, she worked with refugees herself, she you know. Did. It's not she complete did. fiction in her head. Oh, she no. met people. No, she, she, she lived the lives of refugees herself. And that's what this is all based on, the story she heard and the people that she met. But she's put it together brilliantly. And the bees, of course. And on the audio as well, you mm. have, she talks a little bit about where the inspiration came from at the end. So it's wonderful to hear that. Yeah. And the bees, yes, when she was talking about making it into a play, they were discussing how they would have the sound of the bees as yes. the opening, you know. I'm yeah. here wiggling my fingers. <laughs> I keep forgetting it's radio. <laughs> That's what makes radio. You have to be expressive. Look, all I'll I'll say is this. If you talk about Margaret, you know, picks her book of the month, I'd give this book in terms of star ratings. If it's five stars, it's a full five from me for The Beekeeper of Aleppo. Yes. Uh, That's all I will say. And my copy's here and I've read it. And if you want it, I'll talk about that in a minute. I'll give it to somebody who'll read it. But look, before all that, we have two beautiful gift packs of books to give away in late lunch today before Margaret moves on. Six books in each pile. They're a wonderful selection. Here's the question. We've just been talking about the beekeeper of Aleppo. In which country is the city of Aleppo? That's the question today. We want the country where Aleppo is. Get cracking now. 086-1800-658 by WhatsApp or text with your answers and we'll pick a couple of winners before the end of the show. Margaret's back with more recommendations after the break. Yes, I will repeat it just once more. Where is Aleppo and what country is the city of Aleppo for the book packs today? 086-1800-658 by WhatsApp or text with your answers. Margaret Madden's with us on Book Club today, our book of the month, reminding you is... 
Tell them. It is The Nanny at number 43 by, by Nicola, Nicola Cassidy. Cassidy. And we just have been uh, talking a few moments ago about the beekeeper of Aleppo. And now we move on to your thriller. And this will thrill. It's Andrea Mara. One click. It's a great name, yeah, isn't it? It is. It is. Now, I mean, this came out last year. Yep. But it came out in paperback two weeks ago so um, it's a red cover now you can't and there's matches on the front of it you can't miss it basically the one click is where Lauren takes a photograph of somebody on a beach because she's you know she just thinks this woman looks so relaxed and everything and, and she pops it up online and goes oh how I wish I'd lived my life in my 20s but something happens um, and, and next of all she's getting ma- messages back saying who's the woman in the photo I I I, you know, the, the, there's a bit of stalking issues come along and it just it escalates out of control. Um, and it basically the book is all about how you can be stalked online, how putting up one picture, people can figure out your location and they can figure out your family. They can do Google Maps. They can, you know, it, it's scary, actually. It really does bring it home to you. Lauren takes the snap. Cleo is the woman that she takes the picture of and suddenly mm-hmm. they're connected. And out of the blue, this whole scenario begins to unfold. And it does. It really is a a case in point of a lesson to be very careful. Yeah, what and, you and you know what? Post. I'm terrible. Um, <laughs> I, I don't ever turn off my location things or anything, you know, and I'd be like, oh, having a lovely walk on the beach with the dogs in Terman Peck. And now, I'm not saying somebody's going to fancy stalking me, but I'm just saying it's, it's it's probably a stupid thing to do in this day and age that you just basically put all your details up online mm. and anybody, if they have any kind of an issue with you, can kind of trace you, you know? Your privacy settings aren't as private as you think they Absolutely are. Absolutely not. Andrea's brilliant. And, and the way mm. she, she, it, the story is told... Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply alternating between Lauren and Cleo and yeah. there's two sort of separate storylines well, yeah, well, but Cleo's they weave together don't they? Yeah they do um, because Cleo's now in, yeah. in Ireland but she's from New York yes. so you're getting a glimpse into both of their lives and Lauren has just recently separated from her husband and they're sharing custody of their two teenage girls and you know <laughs> here she is giving out to her teenage daughters don't put up any pictures online of yourselves blah, blah, blah. and she's literally doing the same thing herself yeah. so there is that kind of double standard thing um Andrea very clever cleverly throws that in there you know practice what you preach and um yeah she also touches then on the separation and loneliness in uh, you, you know how separation you're you're 
all of a sudden you somebody you've been with your pretty much your whole adult life is gone and you find yourself sitting on the sofa flicking through your Facebook and Twitter but you're on your own that person mm. even though you were having problems you're, you're on your own your kids are in bed yeah, it brings that home yeah. and what about this creepy client of Lawrence he would uh, Lawrence Ooh, he'd give yeah. you the creeps wouldn't he oh god yeah she is a therapist um, of, of sorts and um, this she has this regular client who comes in every week and she gets the shivers every time he comes he is always awful he's like and he he's always saying noticing things like oh I see your wedding ring is gone and she's going you know it's just like oh yeah so he's creepy he's the creepy bit in it and then there's um, at VIN um, is part of the 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 tag of the person who's hassling her on Twitter and Instagram Mm. and yeah it's uh, there's online bullying there's separation husband bullying there's a bit of everything it's really really quite thrilling yeah you like this I book. did you, and I'm so really embarrassed do. that I'm a year late reading it oh not but to I worry <laughs> yeah. it's there you'll get it you won't be uh, in, in the queues hoping to get a copy and that it's yeah. all sold out it is a page turner you'd yes. say unpredictable great holiday read yes yeah. and if you're into stalking and being stalked <laughs> well one <laughs> click by Andre- Andrea Mara is up your street so you're going on holidays well, well worth getting hold of. And finally today, you always come to us with a classic. And this is a very interesting pick of yours today because it is the wonderful Mr. Roddy Doyle. We go back to 2012 when it was published. It's called Two Pints. It is. Um, Two Pints, I loved as a book anyway. And I went to see the play recently with my father and I swear to God, I thought he was going to have a coronary with the amount of laughing. He couldn't breathe. I was offering him my inhaler. It was the funniest thing. And then I remembered how funny the book was as well. So when back into reading it. So it's two lads sitting in a Dublin pub. I would imagine in around Glasnevin, Ballymore in that area. They're two real dubs and they're just pondering life and it's back to 2012 so they're talking about Barack Obama coming they're talking about Whitney Houston dying um, and just they're they're kind of one or two page entries like diary entries it's just literally so so funny but yet astute and observational really brilliant and the play is hilarious and the way it started it was really from a series of Facebook posts uh, back in 2012 that Roddy you know, put up that this emerged from. Mm. And there is a follow-up then. There's two more pints, which is also available. Now, this is a tiny little book. You you read it in an hour. Mm. Um, I'd highly recommend you. It it might be difficult enough to get in some of the smaller shops, but you'll get it in any library. And if you have at all um, the spends or the time to get up to the Abbey to see it, I think it's on for another couple of weeks. It's phenomenally good yeah. now we will say it is coarse it's rude yeah. but it's funny as well besides and I'm just thinking two points we could do a book like that myself and the boys in the Wednesday club but it'd be <laughs> a multiple of two points we'd be doing uh, for the title uh, and on the night uh, but uh, I, I know where the, where he's coming from in this that yeah. conversation yeah, at a bar that starts off at nothing I mean I, I was going to do a reading but I realised every second word is an F word or a B word so I, yeah. I, I won't <laughs> good but, woman Margaret yeah. thanks he's, he's wiping the sweat <laughs> off his brow um, but it, yeah so they're talking about literally everything from politics they talk about refugees they talk about drug Mm. use they talk about everything but in a funny 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 way Join us some Wednesday and you'll experience the same. Oh, you <laughs> see, Wednesday club. you can't be adding anybody else no, into I the know. mixture now. You're dead right. <laughs> and that is so true. It, there's a dynamic, even in our Wednesday club, that we love. And you're right. 
It's a close shot. Leave it as it is. Two points by Roddy Doyle, a classic from Margaret Madden this afternoon. Thank you so much. And we really do appreciate every time you come to us on Late Lunch with your wonderful recommendations. Love coming. Thank you. And Go on, you have a pick of a song when you finish with us. I what, do. What, what, what is it today? Well, I've picked one. My husband is currently up a ladder at the moment painting the whole stairs and landing. Um, so this is for him because basically I think Billy Joel wrote this about me. So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's, it's for Margaret and Declan. She's always a woman. Remember, Declan. <laughs> See you next time, Margaret. She can kill with a smile, she can wound with her eyes And she can ruin your faith with her casual lies And she only reveals what she wants you to see She hides like a child, but she's always a woman to me She can lead you to love, she can take you or leave you She can ask for the truth, but she'll never believe And she'll take what you give her as long as it's free Yeah, she steals like a thief, but she's always a woman to me Oh, she takes care of herself She can wait if she wants Ahead of her time Oh, and she never gives out And she never gives in She just changes her mind And she'll promise you more than the Garden of Eden And she'll carelessly cut you and laugh while you're bleeding But you'll bring out the best and the worst you can be Blame it all on yourself Cause she's always a woman to me always say it the time flies I think it's the older you get the days weeks months just zip along 
Listen to this. It's a year since the village, the beautiful new village hotel in Bettystown, opened its doors. And you will recall that we made history on late lunch. We never had a late lunch on a weekend day, but we had for the people in the village. Saturday, the 6th of October, we gave a wedding away. I'll never forget the day. It was absolutely wonderful there. And the boys are back in town today. Yes, Frank Taff and JP Egan are with me because they have big birthday celebrations planned for this weekend. Gentlemen, you're both very welcome to the show. Great to see you. Hey, Thank Jerry. you very much for joining Thanks, us. Jerry. Good to see you. A year. Well, how are you feeling? Like, do you feel like running mad out of town or are you just really settling in after 12 months, JP? Yeah, we've started to definitely settle into the, uh, to the area there now and uh, the business itself is starting to get up to speed. Um, the local people, the community now have, have seen it as part of the community and uh, yeah, it's really starting to develop. As a, as a really good business now, yeah, we're delighted. Frank Taff, Frank Taff, remind me how this all began. How did it come into both your radars? Was it you well, spotted in, it? In, in, yeah, well, initially I was building houses down the road from it on East Ham Road, and um, we were, I was passing by it every morning, every day, several times a day, and um, I just thought with with the, the population in the area and with number of housing that were, was going to be coming to the area. Um, I thought it could be it could be a good location. I thought it was needed in Betty's Town, and then um, spoke to JP about it, and it all starts over a pint, doesn't it? <laughs> and, <laughs> we were just uh, talking about that with Margaret Madden a while ago. It really does. Yeah, it starts yeah. over a pint, and uh, and then and then here we are. Yeah, one year on. So, and more. Yeah, now, so. he makes it sound so simple. You know, you've met, he's had the pint, and here we are today, a year later. <laughs> My God, that yeah, was a small journey. Bit in between, yeah, yeah, that was small a bit hell between. of a journey, wasn't yeah. it, really, to, to get there at the end. Yeah. But you must be delighted. You have a boutique hotel there, you have that wonderful gastro pub, and you are a wedding venue all combined. Yeah. It's, you know, you have, a, you, have a, you, you have a unique type of offering. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's 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 definitely um, s- something that's added to the area of Bettystown anyway, you know. Um, we've given, um, yeah, I think I think J- JP is, is taking, t- took the operations in there, he's doing a fantastic job on it. And uh, yeah, I think people are, are really enjoying it, you know. It's mm. it's, it's it's a nice offering. Mm. Um, there's, there's lovely gardens, there's something for outdoors, indoors. It's good for children um, there's plenty of space and yeah so it's it's it's, it's a unique offering yeah it certainly is uh, you you differentiate for mm-hmm. sure do you remember was it you were here with me JP or maybe it was you Frank I can't remember we mentioned you know the village and suddenly the phone started ringing the messages started coming and the memories of it that's right does that continue you know do you oh, continue yeah, to hear massively. those stories yeah, oh yeah big time yeah and, and like say particularly now with this weekend coming up on Friday night we're having a reeling in the ears night so we're asking people to come in that would have been there years and years ago John Collier of the fashions is playing on Friday night oh now you're so, going down memory so, lane so John was 42 years ago when John first played there and, and he's back and he's back on Friday night doing mm. a one night only gig and um, we have uh, Richie McCool as well who's going to be on the decks mm. and so, so with that obviously when we started promoting that we had more people coming in with photographs you know, people who got married there, menus, you know, so a huge amount of that. And, 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 you know, it's lovely to see people coming in and talking to you. And there's a real closeness, a real attachment for people uh, of the old village hotel. And that's why now that it's back up and running. And as I said, now you're seeing the local people are starting to really enjoy it. They're coming in. And it's becoming a regular place for them to go. So, yeah. Now, your gastropub is very important, I know, to you. And I've been there a few times over the year. And I have to say, always enjoyed. Is that a huge challenge for you, JP? You know, to get a consistency that people, you know, no matter when you come, 
it does what it says on the tin. Yes, of course it is. Yeah, I think for anybody in in the in the restaurant game or the uh, you know in any of that F and B stuff, it's it's consistency is key and we're lucky now that we've got we've got a great team of people yeah, we there have, now yeah. you know there's there's some people are there from the beginning and then we've brought in some new people as well and um, to be fair you know that's what really makes it Jerry you know it's all great having you know mm. myself and Frank and other people out there but you know it's when you get a team together like that that'll help deliver that consistently and mm. we have it from the kitchen to the front of the house uh, and then inside into the mm. restaurant and the bar, you know, which is great. It's about people, isn't it? And yeah, about oh, yeah. having people, your the people who interact with the people coming mm. through the doors, they must do it. That's yeah. it, yeah. 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 They, they have to be delivering, you know, a, a, mm. exactly what you want or you'd like them to do. Yeah. And and we're lucky, we're blessed now that we have a really strong team. Yeah, we've, great, we've Angela in there doing our sales and marketing. She's fantastic, you know. Yeah. She really drives the business on, I have to say, you know. So we're delighted with our team. Um Accommodation wise, remind me again, how many rooms have you in the place? 16 bedrooms. And I, 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 is it, are yeah, you after yeah, the long yeah. now? They're yeah. really flying. You know, initially it was mainly weekends where we'd be busy, maybe Friday, Saturday. You know, and midweek was a bit of a struggle. It's, it's like anything, you know, people just didn't know about us yet, you know. And, and that midweek is more maybe your corporate stuff. Whereas now, this time of year, there's a lot more leisure. Yeah. So your families had a family in today, and uh, they were up, they were up from Clare. And I was saying like, what, what are you in here? Well, why did you come here? Just wanted to know, you know, lovely family having breakfast, and they said they come up to Fantasia, and you know they'd seen it online, and you know just got chatting about the place, and, and they were really impressed by it, you know. Mm. So it's it's yeah, you, you get people from all different areas. Yeah. Uh, so there's the, there's the three aspects. You have your gastropub, you have your accommodation, of course, the weddings, and, and I, I do mean that we had a wonderful day uh, last October. Yeah with the wedding giveaway and our winners are, will be married that arrangement is made with you but an interesting one the runners up that day Karen and and Karen, yeah they have married already yeah a couple of weeks back yeah yeah and they're obviously local to the area as well yes. so we had a lot of a lot of local people in at the wedding as well and, and it was a massive success uh, and, and they loved they really enjoyed the day and you know, I was uh, I was talking to Angie about it. We we we've got a lot of deposits in over the last couple of weeks. Four weddings for twenty and twenty one. Yes, and uh, you know, a, a big part of we reckon a big part of the reason why we got all these deposits in was Karen on her honeymoon was sitting back and done up this brilliant post which said ten reasons why you should get married in the village hotel, and from that it just gave maybe other brides, uh, you know, that security that the day will be delivered. Mm. Um, and, and, and it's a, a question of building that up. That takes time. You, yeah, you guys realised that anyway, that it wasn't just going to be <laughs> overnight. Yeah, no, you couldn't just flick the switch with that one. Yes. You know, it is one of the ones you have to just build that reputation. Mm. And uh, yeah, we can see that starting to come now. Doesn't it show you the power, Frank, of... Uh, what we would call moons ago and it's still, it's still today word of mouth you know you talk yeah. over a point of when you have a chat with somebody you know yeah. that is the thing that you live yeah. on die on people it's talk a, yeah, about it's it it's a trustworthy source it is word of mouth, you it know, is like and, and what she did you know in a way online to, to give you that exactly the power yeah. of that no, it shows you as well yeah, yeah. fantastic yeah, fair yeah, play to yeah. yeah you have two the social media, social media but then you have the community out there and that was it, that was actually bigger than I thought it was going to be Do you know was was that community base and how people will talk and interact and you know it, it takes time to mm. to get them on side and then mm. but when you get them on side the great thing is then you know they'll talk they're with you and they're with you and they'll tell others as well yeah. 
when you think of the journey from the doors open and, and you're a year on at this stage, I, I presume you've learned a lot and you've taken learnings from things and it, it, it's not all guns and roses, is it? No, no, no it there's a lot of work involved, you know, and you have your ups and downs and you, you, you think you have it all boxed off and then you don't, you know, so it just it takes time, you know, and you, you make plenty of mistakes and you, you fix them and you learn from them and move on, you know, and that's the key. To, you know, take on, t- take any mistakes on board and move on, you mm. know, and remember them the next time. The flower's coming again soon. Mm. Do you get a kick from the flower? You know, even, you know, in the extended area, there's a huge amount in round the, the heart of Drogheda for the flower. I know that. I saw it last year. But what about outside? Yeah, bedroom-wise, absolutely, yes. for accommodation. Where, You're you know, gone. Out, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and that's, you know, going to be strong. In terms of people coming out to Bettystown for the flat that's mm. not really going to happen yeah. but you will get more people out and around the area they will be coming in to eat you know people that are staying locally and that um, but we're not expecting to be doing anything like the yeah. numbers that you'll be doing yeah. in the town Yeah. so know. the bedroom the other thing where you're positioned there you're on the seaside mm. you have a golf club on your doorstep a fine golf club in later in Bettystown as well you're on the gateway to the Boyne Valley you have a lot going for you yeah, oh, look, the business definitely has a lot of potential there. Mm. Uh, you know, as Frank mentioned, there's, there's more and more houses been developed in the area. Um, and then plus your, your proximity to Dublin. Yeah. And, and, and there's a lot going for Betty Sam. I think as, as Drogheda itself, there's talk of obviously, you know, getting city status. You know, there's a lot of talk of that extending out to East Mead and covering which will be Betty's Town as well. The so, whole area, yeah. yeah. Mm. So there's a lot of exciting things happening. So this weekend, you're all geared up. Starts Friday, is it? Friday, Saturday, Sunday, is it all weekend? That's it, yeah, yeah. all weekend, yeah. So you avoided the August bank holiday, did you? <laughs> you're going to yeah. get August anyway, yeah. so you decide to have a weekend before. <laughs> Angela yeah, Dyes has her head screwed yeah, on in you guys, yeah, doesn't she? Yeah, she, yeah, she really she, does. She really does, yeah. So in, in general terms, just back to the, to the general, um, let me say, uh, uh, economic situation for hospitality, how is it? Is it is it rattling along at the minute? Yeah, look. To be fair, it's it's you know it's you have to be really working at it. You know, you have to be at it. It's not just a case of anybody that has, you know, a, a place open that that things happen. It's like any business, you have to be working at it. Um, and look, the area, you, you know, there still is uh, competition out there. So you know, you have to be giving people value. People are still looking for value all the time. We found that, especially you know, our midweek business has really kicked off because we started to promote certain deals. You know. On your Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and and thankfully, yeah, that's that's really busy now, you know. Mm. So yeah, look, it's 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 good, but it, it takes a lot of work. It's a commitment, it yeah. really is, a, a, and a big commitment. So you're on all good in the camp at oh the God. village. So far, so good. <laughs> you haven't fallen out. <laughs> no you're still fallen. the best of friends. You'll have <laughs> a pint <laughs> together. Have another pint, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> After this, <laughs> anyway, Friday night, John Collier and Fashion, I think, was the name of the uh, the group he played with, and McCool, the yeah. DJ, is back as well, and it continues on through Saturday and yeah, Sunday. The enemies on Saturday night, then as well, which will be a big gig. You yeah, know? yeah, mm-hmm. so great stuff. Well, look at congratulations on your first birthday. We Appreciate were with it. you at the concept stage, the development <laughs> for the giveaway and the wedding, and you're back today to reflect yeah. on a year on. I wish you continued success at the Village Hotel in Bettystown. And thank you again. Good luck to you for the future. Thanks for joining me on the show. Frank Taff and J.P. Egan.
Thanks, Jerry. Cheers, Jerry. Thank Thanks, Mel. Just want to wish all the best to number three Old Barn Restaurant in Cullen. They've reached the top 25 in the public vote for the Food and Wine Readers' Choice Awards this year. And uh, voting actually closes there on Sunday. So they're in with a shout. And if you'd like to support them, go on to the number three Old Bar and Restaurant Facebook page and give them a vote. They really would appreciate it. Louise, a football into the sea where and showed up where? Yeah, we just spotted a football. Um, it was kicked into the sea at Clara Head by an 11-year-old schoolboy and it has turned up in a beach 220 kilometres away. And that's on, we just spotted that in the Meath Chronicle uh, website that um, Keevine Kerwin from Dalik was playing with the ball and it got washed away to from sea. the beach out to sea. At Clara. Yes, and an, um, a family in Bala, excuse my pronunciation, Bala Beach on the Isle of Man. Yeah. Um, a little girl, Isabella Key, she was six, was playing and she just spotted the football. How and did they, they trace it? They, there was, they kind of looked very, very carefully and they spotted the name of the club and they Googled and it belonged to Dulik School Boys and Girls and they got in touch. Fantastic story. And and did it take long to travel to the Isle of Man? You know, no. Uh, it was well, earlier this month when it went in initially. Okay, and it's been found now in the Isle of Man. Yeah. Great so. wee story, that, isn't it? Isn't it lovely? It really is. It just shows you all's not lost, could be the, the, the Look headline. Look carefully the, at what you find. Yeah. <laughs> Terrific. Terrific wee story, that. I suppose you're, you know, you don't play golf. No, I think I asked you that before. No, you're not into oh, golf. No. You, know, you know Shane Lowry yet? You do. One of the. Open. Yeah, it was yeah. amazing and amazing. he's a, such well, an amazing fella. Well, more amazing news for Ireland today because the Ryder Cup, which is the uh, biannual uh, competition between America and Europe, it's huge, Louise. Happens every two years, I said. I've heard of that, yeah. It's coming, you have heard of it. It's coming to Ireland again in 2026. It's coming to Adair Manor and uh, it's just been uh, confirmed today that it is. I played Adair in Manor. 2026? Yeah, seven years away. Have your ticket booked already? Ah, oh, Louise, will I even be here? Do you know what I mean? Like, how could you look that far ahead? I was there the last time there. the Ryder Cup came. It was in Ireland once before at the K Club and I was there on the first day. I was on the first tee, the first morning when Rory McIlroy and Tiger Woods and co teed off. I'll never, ever forget. I was there that day. And let me tell you a little story as well. I played a dare manor last year. It is the most so wonderful. from spectator to player. Oh my God, it is the most wonderful golf course. It's manicured to a fault. And Louise, I birdied the first hole. I birdied the first hole. I That's felt, good, isn't it? I felt like Shane Larry. <laughs> I, just, I should have packed up my clubs and went home after that. Did you but, take loads of selfies? Uh, <laughs> selfies. My God, I was over the moon on that day. Anyway, congratulations to JP McManus and everybody involved with the club in Limerick. Nice and it's, steak down there too. Oh my God, yeah. Yeah, it's a lovely, lovely place, but it's going to be a great time to look forward to in Ireland. Forward planning indeed. After the uh, news and sport on late lunch this afternoon, we're returning to that RTE primetime investigation last night that shocked so many people the investigation into the creches in Dublin. Mary Daly is joining us at Late Lunch. You're with Late Lunch on LMFM Radio this Thursday afternoon. Just to mention the flowers, you know, coming to draw at 11th to the 18th of August. The council are out cleaning up all round the place to make uh, draw to look spick and span for the thousands and thousands of visitors who are going to descend on the town. If you'd like to help out, there's a voluntary group. They're great people. They're called Off Your Arse. It just sums it up, doesn't it? To get up and get going. Uh, and they meet and they 
help enhance the effort of the council in uh, making Drogheda look really well. And they're getting together this weekend. They're meeting at Goodwood on the North Strand in Drogheda. uh, And that's thanks to Tony Smith there at 11 o'clock this Saturday. And they have some projects that they're going to undertake. If you can give an hour or two, they'd much appreciate it. And well done to Martha's on the Fair Green in Drogheda who donated €6,000 worth of exterior paint uh, to help brighten up some buildings who have known uh, to take care of them. So that's uh, getting up and off your arse this Saturday from 11am at Goodwood on the North Strand in Drogheda. And if you'd like to find out more, we have the contact numbers for Rachel and Anne if you'd like to have a chat with them. Off our usual number, 1850-715-958. Book Club, two gift packs to give away today. Aleppo is in, Louise? Syria. It is in Syria, indeed. And we had lots of answers to WhatsApp and to the text number as well. Two winners. Who's getting the books today? Well done to James Foran and Linda O'Driscoll. Well done to both of you. We'll be in touch after the show to make the arrangements. You have to call in and pick up the book packs here. They're huge. There's six books in each pack. You'll enjoy them, I promise you. And thanks to everybody who entered. More books to give away and more recommendations from Margaret Madden in the month of August. It's hot, Louise, isn't it? It really is hot. Did you see the temperature? It's a new record, is it, in the UK today? I saw there in the last while. Did you say 36, 37? It is a new high, so it is. And uh, the world... They'll all move here. (laughs) (laughs) They can be a bit cooler. (laughs) For many reasons. For Brexit reasons, maybe, as well. We won't go there on that one. uh, But there you go. Who says that global warming has anything to do with it? They they say it hasn't, but sure, look at it. Trump says it hasn't. Ah, sure, he knows everything. He knows everything. That man has just everything under control. If you watched Primetime Investigates Naughty last night, I'm sure you were shocked at what unfolded. Yes, the hide-and-seek crash in Dublin, undercover reporting. They have four crashes with a fifth one on the way. Joining me on the line is the CEO of the Cran Support Group, Mary Daly, who's responsible for nine crashes in me and one in Dublin. Mary, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Jerry. How are you? I'm good. Were you as shocked as the rest of us? Well, I have to say I was sickened uh, at what we were looking at. Uh, there isn't words that can describe how people working in the profession uh, felt, and I'm sure how parents felt. But personally, as a grandparent with children accessing uh, childcare, I was appalled to think that that could be going on within childcare services. Is it the exception, or should parents, guardians, grandparents be worried? I don't think they should be extra worried. I think it's an exception. I'm not saying that there isn't anybody, any other crashes out there like that. I would say definitely they're in the minority. The majority of childcare professionals go into work not because of the big money they get, because they don't get big money, they're very badly paid, but because they love their job and that's why they're there. Um, So therefore, I would say, no, they shouldn't be overly concerned. However, I would say that parents have a duty and obligation to ask the appropriate questions within creches when deciding to put their child into creche. We have open door policy, which means the parents can come, not just to drop off and collect, but if they can come in at different times into the creche. Uh, and parents should do that and should ask the appropriate questions, look to see what the sleep rooms look like, all of that before placing their children in a creche. It's very important. Uh, you know, no uh, formalised errors is right. Uh, spot checking at any time. Now, you in particular with me today want to raise three 
uh, questions. Well, I suppose, Jerry, for me, when I was looking at the programme um, last night uh, in horror, uh, the one thing that shocked me about it all is that it's not against the regulations not to have Garda vetting, but it's against the law. So my question is, are the guards now investigating somebody who has people in their childcare service that are not Garda vetted? That is against the law. Okay, so that's, therefore you have that issue. That's a very important another, point. Yes, it is. And then you have other issues where this person has had serious breaches. Now, when we say we're in non-compliance, people can be in non-compliance for not having a doctor's name on the on the child's application form. I'm not talking about those minor non-compliances. I'm talking about somebody with serious non-compliances who has appeared in court. Um, regarding non-compliances and is still let open another service. How does that happen? So you're questioning Tusla there? I am. I question how does that happen? That all of this and the the wrongs that were uh, there weren't sorted and yet they were able to carry on. A valid question. And, and, And my third question is at what point does the department say we are withdrawing your funding until you have everything right? I mean, that lady that was there, I mean, you know, don't even look at regulations that were broken, but the child's human rights were broken. I mean, who puts a child to sleep by holding their heads down in the cot? Mm. Who decides to cover a child's eyes with a blanket so they can't see you, so they might fall asleep in fear? I mean, that programme last night raised huge issues, apart and the terrible regulations that were broken, all of that, but from the inhumane way those children were treated. You mentioned pulling funding there, um, and and uh, creches and uh, places like this mm-hmm. are supported, of course. I, I suppose the other question is, where do the children go that are in those creches if you pull the funding? Because I, I, I'm sure you're well aware, the demand for places in, yeah. uh, you know, creches like we saw last night, far outstrips supply. And I agree with you, Jerry. The demand is huge and there's a shortage um, There's a shortage of places. However, which is more important? A child's safety, well-being, mental health, development, all of that, are looking for a child minder or somebody else to mind the child. I'm, I'm not saying it's easy. I'm yeah. not saying that at all. Parents have to go to work today. Probably some of them sick because they have to leave their child in, in, in creches. Um, but... At the end of the day, we're talking about our children. Yeah, and that is the and, and, nub and of this. that is the bottom line. Yeah, it is. The child should be the centre of everything we do. Now, we all don't get it right the whole time. Mm. But if the child is not in any danger, and I'm not talking about falling, I'm talking about emotionally, developmental, all of that kind of stuff, that is the most important thing that we do within the childcare service. We're given people's precious possessions to mind. Yes. And we should live up to that responsibility and do it. And the child is the most important thing. Trust Not that was... the child doesn't toss the room. Yeah. I mean, if you go into a childcare service and the room is perfectly tidy, I'd be asking myself the question, mm, what's going on here? Yeah. Because you have children, and children don't keep things tidy. And of if course. they're playing happily, 
the room won't be tidy. <laughs> that is a fact. I can. I'm living that yeah. again with my my yeah. granddaughter. I I know what you're talking about. Absolutely. But 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 here's the thing. Trust was broken last night, and and trust mm-hmm. is the biggest thing that you trust putting your children into the care of somebody else that they will do their very best and take care of them to the best ability mm-hmm. uh, that that you expect of them and that was broken has that affected the uh, across the board in the industry are crash owners and people working in in good crashes uh, that are and the majority are doing a really good job has has it impacted on on you people today well i suppose the impact uh, is is devastating for the staff yes it is it's very demoralizing for the staff who are in good crashes good providers let them be community let them be providers who dedicate their, uh, themselves to the job that they take on to do it is very demoralizing for those people to watch that because unfortunately we all get tarnished with the same brush. Now, I have to say for our organisation and our questions, we have had fantastic support today from parents, um, you know, sending texts and emails supporting the staff. Um, and that's great to see. But it does have a demoralising effect on the providers who are trying their best to do their best and mainly the staff who are delivering the service to the children. Mary, I have it to. Takes people, it takes people time to pull up, you know, pull up from that and get on with it again. Yes, but but they will, and I know they will. Oh, yes, they, they will. They will. And the questions you raise are really valid, and they need to be addressed urgently. Mm-hmm. I have to leave it there. Thank you for joining me on the show today, Mary. That's all. Thank you for talking to me. You're very Bye. welcome. Take care Bye. of yourself, Mary Daly. There, CEO of Cran Support Group. They run nine wonderful crashes in County Mead and one in Dublin as well. And those questions really do crystallise what needs to be addressed at this time after that shocking expose last night on RTE's primetime. That's a lot on late lunch for this Thursday afternoon. Friday show on the way tomorrow from half one with women with opinions. So plenty to... uh, talk about there but we leave you today in the company of the wonderful Dusty Springfield son of a preacher man see you tomorrow Billy Ray was a preacher's son and when his daddy would visit he'd come along when they gathered around and started talking that's when Billy would take me walking Out through the backyard we go walking Then he look into my eyes Lord knows to my surprise The only one who could ever reach me Was the son of a preacher man The only boy who could ever teach me Was the son of a preacher man Yes, he was, he was Yes, he was Everything is alright He kissed me down Everything is alright Can I get away again tonight? The only one who could ever reach me Was the son of a preacher man The only boy who could ever teach me Was the son of a preacher man Yes, he was He was Lord, he was Yes, he was
Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at lifemd.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. You just take your shot. It doesn't feel like you're on a diet. What I wasn't expecting it to do was to shut off the food noise. This was life-altering, and if I can do it, I feel like anybody can do it. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com.